This is the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz, and joining me this week to help preview this upcoming game against the Rams on Thursday Night Football, James Kroger, contributor to Locked On Rams and of the Rams Podcast. James, how you doing? Hey, Brandon. I'm doing, you know, I'm doing okay. Even though I'm come off, coming off a loss, i am uh, got a positive outlook into Thursday night's game. So thanks for having me on. How's it going, everybody? And, you know, I'm doing all right. Yeah, well, let's talk about this loss because I have to say it must be embarrassing losing at home to an NFC South team. I, I, do, I don't mm. even know how to relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's it wasn't easy, and it wasn't easy tossing up forty points and still losing at home, and seeing the Buccaneers come all the way across the country and stomp on us, show lots of our weaknesses, and toss up fifty five on us in the Coliseum. So, you know, it, it wasn't pretty, and it it uh, made us Rams fans a little embarrassed, to be honest with you. Well, we were embarrassed ourselves by losing to the Saints uh, a couple weeks back. So <laughs> I, I know the feeling. You don't like losing at home. And uh, fortunately, I guess we, we each have our own NFC South losses now. And now we go into week five, both teams three and one, uh, mm-hmm. both teams looking up at the San Francisco 49ers who didn't play this weekend on a bye and they find themselves in sole possession of first place. This is kind of weird. Yeah, who would have thought? And for the first time since Sean McVay's been our head coach, we are not first in the division, too. So, you know, if you and I would have texted each other in the beginning of the season thinking we were both uh, below the 49ers at this point, it uh, probably would have been a little laughable. You know what, though? I think at the beginning of the season, I would have taken three and one after the first four games, just knowing that you know we had you know, the Seahawks just aren't that great in September, that we were facing Drew Brees in the first four weeks. It turns out that we end up not facing Drew Brees. <laughs> and uh, but fortunately, you know, we end up not facing really Big Ben except for a half too before he goes out. Uh, Seahawks may be a little fortunate to end up with their record at three and one. How are you feeling with your three and one? I know you didn't like the loss to the box, but uh, if, if you were to predict after uh, four games at the beginning of the season with three and one, would you have been okay with that? You know, I, I kind of would have because when we were looking at the schedule in the beginning, it's like, you know, Carolina, at least at that point, you know, the talks were that they were looking pretty good this season. Apparently Cam Newton uh, can't get his, his stuff together, even though he can get his outfits together uh, <laughs> in a pretty ugly way. But uh, looking at our schedule, you know, facing the Panthers, the Saints, I, I wouldn't expect that loss to have been against the Bucks at home. So that would have been surprising, right. but I would have kind of, uh, you know, I wouldn't have been upset about having that one record at this point because you kind of look at the Saints uh, knowing about Breeze and then the Panthers thinking one of those games that could, you know potentially uh, it could happen especially probably that Saints game because it's, it is now kind of a, a rivalry between us so I, I would have probably circled that thinking that that would have been the loss I didn't think it would be against the Bucks tossing 55 on us at home. In that game against the Bucks, Jared Goff throws some picks, uh, has the fumble late in the game that leads to the scoop and score by Indomitian Sue. How are you guys feeling about Jared Goff now that he got paid his big contract and has and you've seen him now through four games? That's a great question, and it, you know I think we're we're a fan base divided at this point. I see on social media there's a lot of Goff hate. There's a lot of people saying, I, you know, I knew this was going to happen. Uh, I knew he peaked. What are we going to do? 
Uh, and then there's a lot of people that are being loyal and sticking by him, including Barry and myself. Uh, you know, during our podcast, we had we had this chat. You know, he, he, let's not forget that he still tossed up 500 plus yards. Yes, he had three interceptions. At this point in the season, it's it's kind of tough to look at the fact that he's only had six touchdowns and six interceptions, uh, which is which is pretty disturbing with the completion ratio of 64. percent But uh, you know, like I said, we're kind of a fan base divided. There's there's a lot of people saying, you know, what's going on. We get rid of him, and it's like, hey, this is come on, this is one game. Uh, he had a lot of pressure on himself. The our O line is not the same O line that they were last year. Haven't seen us, to be honest, been kind of trashy and we've had so many penalties against our our line and you know last year we had same group of guys being with us throughout the whole season and this year there's been minor injuries and and new guys stepping up so you know the the line is is really kind of hurting us and it's pretty evident if you look at our running game and also the amount of uh, QB pressures that Jared Goff got towards the end of the game I don't know what he ended up with but I saw in the fourth quarter that out of uh, 49 fallbacks he had he was pressured over 20 over 50 percent of the time so you know 50 percent of the time he was getting pressure and our line just couldn't handle it so I'm I'm totally behind Jared Goff still I think he's he's a great quarterback super capable he had too many overthrows this last game he you know didn't look as confident in the pocket some of his mental mistakes uh time management of the game was definitely questionable and that kind of worries me going up into Seattle because we all know Seattle is an incredibly hard place to play and you know, you guys tend to generate a lot of penalties or from the opposing team. So, right. you know, I hope that he he steps it up and, and adjusts to with the short week. Well, you know, it's it's interesting that you bring up some of those pressure numbers because I, I was looking, you know, I have, I'm looking at those stats right now and it's a bit surprising to me. It's not what I'm used to seeing. And I think it does have to do with the fact that, you know, the center, uh, your center retired, right? And then you lose mm-hmm. uh, your left guard and free agency. And now, so out of 185 dropbacks, he's pressured on 80 of those 185. So yeah, it's, it's, in between 40 and 50%, which is a big number. I, we're used yeah. to seeing it as Seahawks fans with our offensive line, but uh, that, that's something new for Jared Goff. <laughs> yeah, you know, he's he's not the best scrambler. Um, you know, he, he's a lot more accurate when he has a little bit, ex, you know, an extra second or two back there. So, you know, when you add scrambling to the equation, it, it just messes up every other aspect of his game. And what have you seen from Todd Gurley this uh, so far? Because one of the things that was surprising to me is that he really wasn't used that much in the game against the Bucks. I don't know if that was part of the game plan or just the fact that you guys went down you know, by three touchdowns relatively early in that game. Yeah, so there's a few things going on here. One, he got overall just as many carries as Malcolm Brown, the backup running back. Mm. They, they both had five. And everybody's wondering if Todd Gurley's on a, a load management system. McVay is just hasn't opened that vault at all. I said, absolutely not. Um, you know, the game plan, unfortunately this last week just didn't work in our favor to try to run the ball. We had five penalties in the first 20 plays. And then when you're seeing us, you know, with the false starts starting off with, you know, first and 15, then all of a sudden we go into, we're down by 21 points, 21 to zero. It's, it's really hard to one get that flow of the game back going and to like get the running game going at that point. Cause a lot of those plays were, we're catching up. We're trying to uh, get those extra yards from the penalties and, you know, score quickly before halftime. We definitely wanted to have a score before halftime. So it just, the, the whole flow of the game got disrupted and I don't necessarily think there's anything wrong with Todd Gurley. Everybody's really curious about what's going on with him. 
To be hundred percent honest, I at one point I, I have a I have a weak fantasy running back situation, so I picked up Malcolm Brown after the first game because I'm thinking, <laughs> hey, you never know, you got two touchdowns the first game. So, uh, yeah, this game he had just as many attempts as, as the backup, but it just it was never a running game. It just you know we couldn't have tried to get some of those play actions either, and we did run um, a couple sweeps to him early on, um, which were somewhat successful, but we just didn't have the opportunity to do it. But what we did see is is him go out for passes you know quite a bit i think he was number three with receptions during that game so he Mm -hmm. was he was uh receiving the ball he just the running game was just not happening yeah 219 rushing yards on the year and talk about receiving uh cooper cup doing outstanding so far this year 388 yards on 32 receptions yeah, I think he. I think I saw a stat today that said uh, some PFF numbers that he was number two uh, for fantasy points, and I'm mm-hmm. I'm happy because I'm the guy going around telling everybody like, pick up Cooper Cup, man. He's not, you know, <laughs> a lot. Not a lot of people are going to pick him up. His route running ability, his way to immediately break tackles. You know, it's, he's he looks like he's just slippery out there. He, he just breaks the initial tackle almost always, and he's just uh, super diligent with his route running, and he's he's one of Goss' favorite guys. So I I was hoping uh, they were going to try to utilize him a little bit more towards the end of the game, but uh, Cooper Cup's my guy, man. Well, he is tied with Gurley with touchdowns with uh, three apiece on the season. One of the other guys that I'm looking at among your team leaders that's a little surprising to me, Clay Matthews leading the team in sacks with five. What's going on? Hey, he's he's by far the def- best defensive player. He, like you said, leads the team in sacks, tackles for loss, and quarterback hits. Um, you know, I think he's just a, an amazing fit on his team. He's, of course, with Aaron Donald helping him out, he's totally taking advantage of that. So, um, you know, I'm kind of looking forward to the the matchups that he's going to have against Seattle. You know, some of your your linemen over there, and I'm, I'm I can't wait to see how many more sacks he's going to get. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm pretty impressed with the addition of him this year, and he's just he's just been great for us. Kind of reminds me of on the opposing side of you guys. Uh, it looks like Clowney's been quite the addition for you as well. <laughs> he had the the interception, the pick six in this last game, that. and really it was the first game that he really showed up. He, you know, he had five pressures and just thirty snaps and. So the hope is, I think, for Seahawks fans that he's really starting to work his way into the lineup. But, you know, I I look at our group on the front four and then I look over at the Rams and, you know, it's not just Clay Matthews with the five sacks, but Dante Fowler has four. Uh, Aaron Donald, yeah, he only has one, but he has 15 pressures. Michael Brockers on the inside has 15 pressures. So every single guy in that front four with with Fowler, Donald, Brockers and Matthews all have double digit pressures through four games. Yeah. And you know, one thing about Aaron Donald that we haven't mentioned is the amount of times he gets double teamed and even yes, triple teamed. We see it happen. So, you know, Donald's kind of working, being the best defensive player in the league. uh, He's working with some added pressure against them. I hope you guys are going to be able to, to one double team him and be able to contain some of those guys. One of the stats I'm seeing, he does have three missed tackles so far. So, you know, maybe there's just some hope that he's slipping a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know he's he's got a special hunger for uh Russell Wilson so I think he's very much looking forward to this game and also making up for for last week's uh loss so I think he's I think he enjoys going up to Seattle and doing some some Russell hunting 
Yeah. How do, how do you feel like as a fan coming off a loss? Do you think it helps your team in the game going forward? Or I, I always look at that just psychologically as a as the team just always looking to bounce back after a loss. I'd almost rather face a, a difficult opponent coming off a loss rather than going in to a game just on just cruising. Are you guys saying you're not a difficult opponent? I'm saying we are. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking just as a Rams fan that you, with your team having to come up to Seattle, you would be looking forward to the, the team bouncing back, perhaps. Or maybe you go, hey, maybe this is the start of the Super Bowl slump that everybody's been waiting for. Oh, man. You know, in a weird way, I think that there's some gratefulness about this loss and the fact that it exposed a lot of the weaknesses that people were trying to identify in our previous games, uh, our running game, our secondary on the defensive side of the ball. Yes, we saw Marcus Peters with the pick six, but right before that happened, he got burnt uh, by Evans, I believe for a touchdown. So, you know, it absolutely exposed a lot of the things that people have been calling out since the beginning of the season. And a lot of things that we need to work on and basically showing everybody, how to how to handle us so uh you know our secondary was playing a liberal zone you know they were they were wouldn't it was almost like let's just not even let anybody behind us but let them get as many passes as they need in the beginning it was mm-hmm. really frustrating to see we were giving somewhat some pressure um but you know it, it shows how you can beat this team you know how you can toss up 55 points on this team you pass the ball a lot uh and you know it, it also exposed the fact that if you allow penalties and if you uh, pressure the quarterback too much that Goff hasn't been the best at handling that and we, if our running game gets thrown off it throws off our whole game uh, so there's a lot of things that we need to work on in a very short period of time but it is kind of exciting because we're exactly the team that does that you know Sean McVay adjusts quickly he's a very very smart coach and you know that's one of the things this team does is it's constantly involved in my opinion and so I'm really looking forward to the challenge of going up to Seattle you know you you guys are worth, yeah, of course, I'm, I'm scared that how many penalties are going to draw offensively for us. And I'm hoping that Russell Wilson just doesn't tear up our secondary and that you guys don't give too much golf, too much pressure at home. He's not going to be able to hear into his earphones and hear what McVeigh's saying. And, you know, hopefully it will be able to handle it. But like I said, he's not the best scrambler. So it's, it's going to be a big challenge heading up there. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. i I'm happy that it's on Thursday because I get to watch the game earlier, but I'm not happy because we need to, we need a little bit more prep time, I think. Right. And uh, I want to get to some predictions, James, but let's go ahead and take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll talk more about this game coming up on Thursday and, and maybe get your prediction. So we'll do that coming right back. Joined by James Kroger, contributor for Locked On Rams. And you guys, it's, it was good to hear you and Bear back together again on Monday earlier this week. Yeah, you were, you were talking about a loss, probably not the best thing. But I, you guys have been doing this for a while now. Yeah, we have. It's, you know, we started the Rams podcast. Uh, when the team came back to LA, we, we jumped on that opportunity and it was just a blast for us. And that branched out to us doing the Lockdown Rams show. Uh, check it out on social media. Bear does a great job every single day. He's got amazing guests on a lot of media from the Rams, but he does a similar show to yours about 20, 30 minutes per day. Um, and, you know, just instant updates with everything going on with the Rams. And our Rams, Rams podcast is more like uh, once, once or twice every a couple of weeks, uh, more of like a longer hour-long show so it's it's been going great and we've just had a, an amazing time covering this team 
Well, and I know Seahawks fans are going to want to check that out to find out, you know, you got to know your rival, what they're thinking going into to game week. It is a short week. How concerned are you with the preparation that it takes on a short week? What have you seen from the Rams in the past just on on how they've dealt with those short weeks? We know McVay is kind of a guru and and able to get his teams together. But I, I was looking at stats. Pete Carroll's eight and one on Thursday night. Oh man, that's that's that doesn't make me feel good. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Sean McVay is the right guy with, when it comes to uh, shorter prep. What we've seen in the past from a preparation standpoint is um, just cutting out some of those walkthrough days, and you know, mentally coming out of that loss at home must have been tough. But now we have a new opportunity to face a team that's always been a competitive game between us, no matter who is is looking really good that season or not. So this is always a, an amazing matchup. Uh, but you know, just looking at how he handles even being on the road as a whole, he's one of the best uh, on the road coaches as far as record is concerned. So I, I have total faith that he's going to be prepped. I'm personally concerned about the short amount of time, but I know this team in McVay, young coach, young team, uh, except for Wade Phillips. Um, you know, I, I have total faith that they're going to adjust quickly and, and be ready. Well, just looking at some of the one of the interesting things about these two teams, this head to head comparison going into week five. It's really close. You know, both teams have a three and one record. Even total yards, Rams are at fifteen ninety one. Seahawks are at fifteen eleven. So that's pretty close. Total offense, seven for the Rams, thirteen for the Seahawks overall. Just a lot of things lining up. Even points per game, Rams at twenty nine point three, Seahawks at twenty five point eight. That's you know six and nine if you're looking at league rank. And then even on the defensive side of the ball, total yards allowed. The Seahawks at twelve seventy six, the Rams at thirteen twenty one. So, where you guys have a little bit of the the edge on offensive yards, we have a little bit of an edge on the defensive side for yards. Uh, we're holding opponents to just twenty two point three points per game. Uh, Rams at twenty six, so just a field goal difference. And it's interesting just looking at just how similar these two teams have kind of been in, in statistics they've put up just through these first four games. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, this is a lot more exciting than I thought it would be at the beginning of the season. Like you said, you guys are overall 13th. What, you for- expected us to stink at the beginning of the season? Is that what, is that what you're saying? Because I know you didn't expect your own team to stink. You know, like I said about the Saints in the beginning, I kind of had a red circle around them thinking that's going to be a tough one. But I, yeah. didn't, I didn't have any red circles around the Seahawks game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, like you said, I mean, we're, we're really similar at this point with a lot of these stats. I just really hope that we can pick up this running game because that's really going to decide how the outcome and the flow of our overall game is going to be. If we can get the running game on point and Todd Gurley can have, you know, shut the crowd, so to speak, in Seattle, that changes the momentum for us uh, offensively. And that's that's key. Defensively, Russell Wilson is an absolute beast. I'm, I'm who knows what he's going to pull when he's when he's running around with Aaron Donald chasing him, um, but he just makes amazing plays happen. So our secondary has really been not too much to brag about recently. So I hope that Marcus Peters can step it up and hopefully get another pick again. But yeah, if we can get our secondary to tighten it up, if we can apply a lot of pressure to Russell Wilson, if we can get our running game happening early. That's going to be a good feeling. I don't want to be having a lot of penalties against us early in the game. I want Todd Gurley to at least average, uh, you know, a good enough amount of yards per carry to, to make us feel good and to be able to utilize him, utilize the play action and open up this offense. So, um, you know, to be honest, I'm a little nervous. I'm a little nervous, but uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. It's, it's always a great matchup. Yep. 
penalties also very similar between these two teams. Rams penalized 33 times for 263 yards. Seahawks 32 times, just one less for 266. So only a three yardage difference. And you brought up Marcus Peters, the pick six last week against the Bucks. Takes just a brutal shot at the end of that run. And I was worried, you know, they tell guys not to pick their teammates up after taking a, a headshot like that. And so I was kind of worried about him getting taking that shot and then all the, the his teammates wanting to celebrate with him. But the good news yeah. is it, it sounds like Peters is going to be okay and he's going to play Thursday. Yeah, that was, that was, I watched that play quite a few times to see that hit and he just, his head bobbled. And you have that huge guy coming towards you. It's I, I'm I can't believe they didn't call a flag on that, especially about all the other uh, headshots that happened right. over the weekend. But you know he went into the the tent. He came out. He had his helmet off. He had a big scar on his left cheek, right. and it looked like a big bruise. It looked like a, it messed him up big time. And I was a little bit worried that he would at least have to take this next game off. But it looks like everything's okay, and he's he passed the concussion protocol, uh, all green lights, and he's going to be ready. ready ready for uh, to face Russell Wilson this week Thursday night so that was really happy to see and you know some mentioning some of the other injuries that happened last game Johnson right hand he got it examined he ended up having his helmet on towards the end of the game I think he I'm not positive if he came in or not again but he's going to be playing and then uh, we saw Taylor Rapp walk out of the game in a boot last week but they just showed an update of him today no boot no wrap or anything mm. he's looking good watching film so it does look like it'll probably be a game time decision but i i feel that he's probably going to be playing this game yeah john johnson leading the team in interceptions with two so far i'm kind of curious james how you see this going if the so let's say the seahawks win this game against the rams what do you think if, if you just had to predict what would have gone wrong for the Rams to, to lose a game on Thursday night? I think what's going to go wrong or what could potentially go wrong. Wow. Excuse me there. Jeez. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll um, edit that out. Well, yeah, yeah, I'm, not a, I'm not a predictor here, but what I could see going wrong, Russell Wilson, just making a couple big down the field plays, big down the field passes, scoring on us, getting a lot of yards, getting us behind by a couple of touchdowns, having us try to catch up kind of what happened in Tampa Bay. Hopefully, you know, we might not get penalties. That stadium is so incredibly loud. So our offense, the ability for them to function for Jared Goff to hear Sean McVay through the headphones for him to manage the game. I, I might want to blame a couple of those penalties on him last week. He, he just wasn't, you know, uh, mm. managing that offense in the right way and, and getting plays off in time. So um, if he can be able to do that in Seattle, that's, that's going to be great. If we can get something out of Todd Gurley, uh, you know, in the first, you know, five, 10 minutes of the game, that'll be amazing too. If we can open it up, even toss Malcolm Brown in there, maybe for a couple of runs, if, if we can show that we can run the ball a little bit in Seattle, that's going to be a, a good sign too. But if that doesn't happen and we're forced to pass and we're, behind we're getting penalties and looking like what we did last week then you know that's what i could see going wrong here yeah it really did seem like the bucks hit it perfectly you know get turnovers Mm -hmm. early get up uh, by a couple touchdowns early throw the rams off their game a little bit and you know really try and pressure Goff into making even more mistakes knowing that he's going to be kind of behind the sticks and having to pass Yep, he's he's. I feel like he's just kind of got to prove himself now. And on the road against Seattle, when you have six touchdowns and six interceptions overall in the season, and even though if if of course, and I think four fumbles so far too. 
Yeah, yeah. And if, you know, you t- you take away the interceptions and the, the fumble, he threw for over 500 yards and, <laughs> you know, had a kind of, kind of crazy game. You know, yards, he did Yards don't matter, James. Yards don't I matter. Know, <laughs> I know, but we did toss up 40. And if you want to take right. away that Marcus Peters uh, pick six, then, you know, we're, we're still well above our, our average for the overall season. So, you know, we, fortunately, the Bucks toss up 55. Hey, first team to 30 points is probably going to get the win in this game. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. All right, James. Well, really want to thank you for coming on the show, helping break this down. Uh, if people want to find you out on social, where do they look for you? Guys, thanks for listening. If you want to see us on social, I we have the at Rams podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Check it out. And then myself at jkroger3, K-R-O-E-G-E-R, not like the grocery store. Feel free to follow me. Hit me up on Twitter. Let me know your thoughts. And, you know, I'm always down for a little trash talk, too, if you want to go there. It's always a welcome thing, especially on game day, and uh, it's going to be in prime time, so everybody's going to be watching. Hopefully hopefully this is one of the good Thursday night games and not one of the – I mean, unless it's one of the good ones in the sense where like, like we blow you out by 30, then it would be okay. But I, I just don't want to see a lopsided loss. Yeah, and you know this is always a good a good matchup no matter what, and I'm I'm just hoping we have a good game. I hope one of us just doesn't disappoint ourselves and we just have a really solid matchup no matter what. All right, James, appreciate you coming on, and we will look for you coming up later this season. Great. Thanks for having me. A big thanks once again to James for coming on the show. Be sure to check out fieldgoals.com. Lots of articles to check out going into this game against the Rams. Mookie Alexander has an article pointing out that the Seahawks will be in their action greens on Thursday night, so adjust your TVs accordingly. But know that the Seahawks are 3-0, and and they've held opposing teams to a combined 26 points while wearing the action green. So good jersey to wear, even better than the Wolf Gray, where they actually have one loss, but 10-1-1 in the Wolf Gray uniforms. And also check out John Gilbert's article on DK Metcalf and the routes that he's running. James Coe, earlier this week, tweeted out a route chart from DK Metcalf showing just how the Seahawks are utilizing him so far in the season. The Seahawks pretty much just asking him to do one thing in particular so far this season. So check that out at fieldgoals.com just to see how exactly the Seahawks are using him so far. Also, Matty Brown showing the Seahawks on tape and how Brian Schottenheimer is involving the running backs in the passing game. And be sure to subscribe to this show at sbnation.com slash NFL podcast. You can subscribe to Field Goals as well as any of the other NFL podcasts on SB Nation. Check that out there. If you want to help support this show as well as the Seahawkers podcast, you can go to getintheflock.com, become a member of the flock, and you'll get a shout out on the next episode of the Seahawkers podcast. Stay tuned here throughout the week. Coming up tomorrow, I'll have my chat with Anthony Knockreiner of the Knock on Sports as we recap last week's game, look ahead to the game against the Rams, and of course, we'll have the recap of the game later in the week. So stay tuned. Thanks for listening, and go Hawks! Hawks!